Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on September 9th, 2022 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features, well, it's just a massive recap of the actions surrounding the Senate's debate over a new restrictive abortion bill. First, I'll tell you the highlights of the bill, then we'll go through the journey it had this week in the Senate. There's a lot of clips, there's a lot of key moments, a lot of information. But that's the beauty of this podcast. We're not constrained by column inches or commercial breaks, but of course, I'm aware of your time, so we'll cover the key moments in detail. And one detail I would like to know is why you're not calling. (laughs) You can tell me by calling at 803-563-7169. It's like a pledge drive, but it's not a pledge drive. (laughs) We're not asking you for money. We just want to know what's going on in your world. That's why we have a voicemail box set up. And you can leave us a one, two, three minute long voicemail with your name, where you're calling from, and just what's going on in your part of South Carolina or the world. Maybe you have a story about Queen Elizabeth, RIP Queen. Uh, maybe you have some tips on what we can put on our hot dogs, what AT might allow us to put on our hot dogs. <laughs> Any number of things from the mundane to the extraordinary. <laughs> Let us know at 803 563 7169. And Sunday marks the 21st anniversary of the September 11th attacks on our nation. Take a moment to reflect on that day, a formative and tragic day in our nation's history, as well as the 2,977 people who were killed that day and the more than 25,000 people injured and those that continue to live with the scars from that horrible event. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is medium according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. For the week ending September 3rd, DHEC reported 12,335 COVID-19 cases, which is down 7% from the week before. There were also seven deaths. Last week, on average, 495 South Carolinians were hospitalized with COVID-19. 60 were in intensive care and 18 were on ventilators. Right now, 52.9% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. And as of Friday, September 9th, there have been 129 confirmed cases of monkeypox, or MPOX, by DHEC. That's up 14 from last week. The health agency also has received 4,287 vials of the Genius vaccine and given 1,459 total vaccinations. People can call the DHEC Caroline at 1-855-472-3432 to find out if they are eligible to schedule an appointment for the MPOX vaccination. Alright, before we talk about the abortion debate and how we got to the latest iteration of this bill, let's start with just the facts. Currently in South Carolina, a woman can get an abortion for any reason up to 20 weeks. That's because the new six-week abortion ban law is temporarily blocked by the state Supreme Court due to a lawsuit by Planned Parenthood South Atlantic and others that say that the six-week ban conflicts with current state law. A hearing on that is scheduled for October 19th. Now, let's get to the debate. On the evening of Thursday, September 8th, during a special session, the Senate, largely along party lines, approved their version of H-5399. This bill is much stricter than the so-called heartbeat law. Like the heartbeat law, it will allow abortions up to six weeks or whenever a sporadic electrical signal representing cardiac activity can be detected. 
We say so-called heartbeat because it's not until around 10 weeks of pregnancy when there is an actual structure to the heart and the embryo becomes a fetus. But even still, it's not until around 17 to 20 weeks when the four chambers of the heart have been developed and a true heartbeat can be detected on ultrasound. This according to the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. So a little background there on heartbeat and when we say so-called. Now, H5399 says any abortion up to six weeks. We just covered that, right? Just like the fetal heartbeat law. Now, the Senate Medical Affairs Committee on Tuesday removed all exceptions, but ultimately the Senate added them back before passing the bill. So let's look at them. Again, H5399 exceptions now include abortions for rape and incest victims up to 12 weeks. That's shorter than the heartbeat law's 20 weeks. Additionally, if a woman cites such an exception for an abortion, the doctor must inform the sheriff in the county that the procedure is performed about the allegation. And in a new development, fetal DNA must be preserved as evidence for potential court challenges. Other exceptions available to the woman throughout her pregnancy include if the life or health of the mother is in jeopardy or if there's a fatal fetal anomaly, the latter of which will require the approval of not just one, but two doctors that specialize in obstetrics or the area of medicine in which the anomaly is diagnosed. The bill also codifies an annual budget fight and includes that no state funds go to Planned Parenthood for abortion or abortion services. It also removes language that is at the center of the current state Supreme Court challenge. The bill has now returned to the House where it can either agree with the Senate's changes and send it to the governor, or the House can insist on their version, which would lead to a conference committee. Now we'll see about that soon. But to get to this point, it was not easy. Over the past week, there were a lot of starts, stops, emotional and tense moments, starting in the Senate Medical Affairs Committee, which took up the House version of the bill. That version had outlawed all abortions except for rape and incest up to 12 weeks and the life and physical health of the mother. The House, like the Senate, didn't have enough Republican support to approve a total abortion ban, though there were enough votes in the Medical Affairs Committee to do so. During that hearing on Tuesday, we got a preview of the floor debates to come on Wednesday and Thursday including by Beaufort Republican Senator Tom Davis, who was here speaking out against an amendment that stripped the exceptions from the House bill. And, and I can't support an amendment, fairly read, that would re- require my daughter at 12 years old to carry a baby to term and deliver it. What in the world kind of an impact is that going to have on her? Now, I'm told that it's going to be fine, that, that we've talked to a lot of people, and they're happy, and I'm glad that there are some that have, that have worked out well, but there are others that have not, others that have committed suicide, others that have done themselves bodily harm. What about their rights? What about their rights to consult with their pastor, their family, their physician? Not with 170 legislators in Columbia. I just have a fundamentally different way of looking at this. Yes, it is a life, but there is another life. Yes, there is a right to be born, but there is another right. It's our job under the circumstances to weigh them and to determine which has preeminence in a given certain situation. I can't imagine a situation where a father rapes her daughter. You're going to make that daughter bring the baby to term? I I don't think this is a close question. I appreciate the passion the Senator from Anderson has, but I respectfully say it's myopic. It's looking at one right and completely discounting and not even acknowledging the existence of another right. Davis, in that meeting and on the floor, moved to expand sex education and access to contraceptives in rural areas, which Anderson Republican Senator Richard Cash said would be immoral as it would lead to promiscuity and sex outside of marriage. 
which led to a philosophical discussion of the current Republican Party. And I understand from your perspective, they, without trying to put words in your mouth, the, the desire to have this available so there is less need for abortion. Uh, but from my perspective, it, it, borders, it borders on encouraging immorality. So you have um, a different view of the role of the state in society than I do. Um, I think morals are inculcated in people with families, with churches, with institutions. Speaking for myself, I don't look to the state to dictate what my morals are. I don't think that's the proper role of the state to dictate what my morals are. I mean, I have a pretty limited view of what government is supposed to do, and quite frankly, the Republican Party used to. The Republican Party used to stand for the proposition that you kept the government and the state out of people's lives. That old John Stuart Mill principle, that my, my freedom to swing my arm ends where your nose begins. That if I do something that harms somebody else, that is a legitimate pretext for government action to constrain me. But if what I do harms nobody else, government ought to stay out of my life. What's happened in recent years in my party, in my Republican Party, is become much more comfortable with using the coercive power of the state not to impose ordered liberty, not to, not to affect justice or the administration of laws or to resolve disputes, but to inculcate a morality that you're talking about. I just don't believe that's the role of the state. An amendment on the floor was passed expanding contraceptive coverage to the dependence of state employees and would require coverage by private insurance as well. Now, that amendment was later removed in a compromise amendment, but there is still support for such a standalone bill in the future. As for the restrictive bill itself, it made it out of medical affairs by a vote of 9 to 8, a very close vote there on Tuesday. Now, debate was prefaced Wednesday by female Republican Senators Katrina Sheely of Lexington, Sandy Sin of Charleston, Henry Gustafson of Camden, and Democratic Senator Margie Bright Matthews of Colton, who spoke at the well against the bill without exceptions. Richland Democratic Senator Mia McLeod, the fifth female of the 46-member Senate, had an excused absence for the week and didn't vote. Senator Sheely, chairwoman of the Family and Veterans Services Committee, said it's hard enough being a female legislator even before a predominantly male legislature determines your bodily rights. The fact is... I do not want anyone in this room making life and death decisions for me, my daughter, my granddaughter, and for that fact, anyone. I also do not want the person I choose as my medical professional to stop in the middle of a procedure and request the South Carolina Code of Laws to decide if he can proceed or if he may be committing a crime punishable by a fine or time in prison. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want any 10-year-old who is raped by her 13-year-old brother, and yes, it happened right here in West Columbia, to be afraid because, first, no one taught her about sex because there's no sex education in elementary school. She didn't know she was pregnant until she was six months, and she was forced to have a baby at 10 years old. The chances of this young girl's reproductive system ever being normal and her having children with someone she really loves have greatly diminished, not to mention her psychological damage. But the South Carolina legislature, we know best. But you ask, why am I talking about this? Isn't she pro-life? Yes, I'm pro-life. 
I'm also pro-life of the mother, the life she has with her children who are already born. I care about the children who are forced into adulthood. Senator Matthews has continually pointed out the challenges women in rural areas face, especially the numerous counties without even one OBGYN. I have been telling my constituents from day one that this is your constitutional right. If you don't speak up, you'll lose it. I told people yesterday, look at the handmaid's tale. And I've been hearing since I got here, bills start out very small, and each year they progress. This year you tell us what we should do for our reproductive rights, then next year what? And you know, I've heard some members of this chamber even say, oh, my granddaughter says, or my constituents say, don't let them kill the babies. What are you talking about? That's your opportunity. That is your opportunity to explain to your grandchildren and your children that this is about life. Senator Gustafson called for every female voice we can muster to address the real consequences of this bill. Though when exceptions were later put back in the bill through the compromise, she voted for the measure. We'll have her explanation later. Do we women have no autonomy over our own bodies? Are we simply baby machines? The circumstances by which the female is pregnant, is that completely irrelevant? Are you pregnant with a dead baby? Nope, too bad. You have an ectopic pregnancy? Oh well, too bad. You're raped at 11 by your grandfather and got pregnant. Well, <laughs> that's just too bad according to this bill. Senator Sin was the most outspoken Republican woman on the matter, not just on Wednesday, but Thursday as well, at times going head to head with her caucus leader, Shane Massey, during the floor debate. Here she is calling for a referendum vote, a vote by the people on abortion. Amendments proposing such a move later, though, went nowhere. My final ask is to let's put this whole issue um, on on the ballot. Let's put it on the ballot. But we won't do that because y'all are scared to do that. The same thing that happened in Kansas would happen here resoundingly. Y'all think you know better than your own constituents. Y'all have said time and again, your constituents want this. Mine don't. I can tell you now, mine don't. And odds are that yours don't either. Now, after those speeches, the committee bill was adopted by a 16 to 11 vote and debate began over amendments, starting with Senator Davis proposing a rape and incest exception up to 20 weeks, noting that that was what's in the current Harpy law. But the 20-week exception amendment, which didn't include reporting to authorities, was tabled 23 to 6. Such resistance eventually led to the 12-week exception in the current bill with reporting and fetal DNA retained for evidence. Davis also got a fatal fetal anomaly amendment approved on Wednesday. Though on Thursday, in the compromise amendment, it morphed into requiring two doctors to approve an abortion on the grounds of a fatal fetal anomaly. Here's part of the debate between Davis and Greenwood Republican Senator Billy Garrett that led to the amendment being adopted. Let's say a doctor makes a diagnosis. The baby in the womb has a congenital defect incompatible with life outside the womb. But I'm not really sure that if I make you carry it that you're going to have an impairment of major bodily function. So since I'm not sure, I'm not going to give you an abortion. I want the woman to have the right to an abortion in that context, irrespective of the doctor being certain that it's going to hurt her physically. There's an emotional toll. There's an emotional toll you also take on a woman 
Can you imagine? I can't even imagine we're having this discussion. I can't imagine. Okay, we have we have 170 legislators, mostly white men, saying to a woman that even though your doctor diagnoses your unborn child with a congenital defect, incompatible with life outside that womb, we're going to say you're having that child anyway, even though it's going to be born dead. That doesn't make any sense to me. I'm talking about a doctor's judgment. Now you're trying to decide what the doctor's going to decide. Well, at some point, you've got to trust a professional, Senator. I, I do. That's what I'm trying to tell you. If the doctor's made that decision, okay, and then now you're saying, well, he may not make the decision that it's incompatible with life, her life. No, no, I'm I mean, saying either it yeah, is no, or we're, it we're talking about the bodily uh, injury to a bodily function you're talking about. That's okay. what I was referring That's to. That's what I'm, I'm with you there. Now you said incompatible with life. Davis's amendment to give medical professionals safe harbor from prosecution for performing an abortion following accepted standards of care for the sake of the mother's life or health was rejected, a measure he said medical professionals asked for and without it could lead to confusion during critical moments. Early Wednesday evening, Republican leader Shane Massey asked for a unanimous consent to give the bill's second reading a key vote and still allow amendments on third reading. Now, Democrats did not object to the move since they knew the votes weren't there to end debate on the bill and invoke cloture, which would require 26 votes, a threshold that was never reached on Thursday. This gave more moderate Republicans the leverage to eventually get a more palatable bill with exceptions, something Majority Leader Massey acknowledged Thursday after the final vote. We were never going to pass a total abortion ban. I mean, y'all knew that. We knew that. And I mean, I understand there was some rhetoric out there and they were trying, there's a lot of fear because we had some folks on the left trying to scare everybody to death, but we were never going to pass a total abortion ban. Um, we, we never had the votes to pass even what the House passed. So w- what we were trying to do was to um, advance, to be a little more aggressive than what we already had. Uh, but ultimately, look, it's a math question, and we didn't have the votes. So what we were able to do, and I am proud of this, we were able to reinforce heartbeat. We were able to strengthen heartbeat. uh, And I think that is a success. I'm glad we were able to do that. So again, a lot of posturing there, a lot of back and forth and vote counting and things like that. But eventually they got to that compromise amendment. Even Senator Richard Cash of Anderson, the Senate's biggest anti-abortion advocate, accepted the predicament late Thursday afternoon when speaking to Senator Massey about the compromise amendment on the floor. As someone who believes in the sanctity of human life, of every human life, um, no doubt about that. Senator, because of the the context in which we're in, speaking to those who are going to watch this and read about this, the context being that perhaps by voting for this amendment, we can pass this bill. And if by not voting for it, we're not going to possibly pass any bill. Did you know, Senator, as as much as I hate uh, being put in in this situation, I accept that is the fact of the matter, and I intend to vote for your amendment, Senator. Now, with support from the no-exception crowd on the amendment, the votes were there for final approval. But just because exceptions were added didn't mean all was well within the Republican Party. That compromise amendment, which made the bill into basically a more restrictive fetal heartbeat bill, was added via voice vote, with Charleston Republican Senator Sandy Sin loudly saying no when the clerk asked for those objecting. Here is Sin during the testiest exchange of the debate with her leader, Shane Massey, over language in the bill that he said would fix the constitutional problem in the lawsuit facing the state Supreme Court. 
No evidence at all. There is none anywhere that the General Assembly in South Carolina thought they were passing a constitutional amendment to codify, to put Roe in the Constitution. It's nowhere. How is it that we, by statute, can overturn a constitutional provision? We cannot, correct? Yeah. We can't, by statute, overturn a higher law, which would be the Constitution. So why would your law, even if we were, or your change here, amendment, were to pass, why would that not be stricken down? Because obviously we have a constitutional amendment that is stronger authority. Because you're not interpreting the Constitution correctly. That's not what the constitutional amendment means. It's not That's what it means. It's exactly what it says. It is not what, read it. It doesn't say I anything will. about your female part. No, it does not say that. But it says I have a, that we do not have to suffer an unreasonable invasion of privacy. And if what's going on in my vagina is not an unreasonable invasion of privacy for this legislature to get involved in, I don't know what is. What if, what if we start talking about what you gentlemen do, whether y'all have erectile problems or whether you have had a vasectomy or any of these other things? What if we pass legislation that you have to tell us this and then the people or the doctors or whoever get to decide whether you're going to get to move forward with any type of intervention? Isn't that exactly what we're talking about? Senator, I think those are reasonable points for you to make. I disagree with you. I think it would have been great if you had actually shown up for work on Tuesday and made those points. Hello, I was here. I was not. here. Are you talking about medical affairs? I gave my vote. My vote counted. My vote counted, and I watched it. But I'm here now on the floor, sir, which is exactly where it's appropriate. The third and final vote on the bill was recorded. It was a vote of 27 to 16, largely along party lines with Marion Democratic Senator Kent Williams siding with all the Republicans except Senators Sin and Sheely. Republican Senators Luke Rankin and Scott Talley had excused absences, as did Democratic Senator Mia McLeod. And Buford Republican Senator Tom Davis, he voted for it as well. Senator Davis, as you know, drove much of the debate from the floor and behind the scenes on the compromise, as he does on such big-ticket items. He said he voted for the bill eventually because the at-conception ban, with no exceptions originally adopted by the Senate, was defeated and the fetal heartbeat status quo was maintained. He called it the best possible outcome of the night. Senate Minority Leader Brad Hutto spoke with reporters after the vote and said it was a sad day for the women of South Carolina. It is, I, I've said this all week, you've heard me. This is an awful bill. It is really bad. You know, and, and there may be some spin that... Oh, well, it's just the same thing we already had. It's not. It's worse. It's, it's worse in many regards. And, and why? Why did we need to do this? There's an issue pending before the Supreme Court right now in which our Constitutional says that South Carolinians enjoy, enjoy a right to privacy. Uh, it's going to be the oral arguments we heard on October the 19th. What's the, what's the rush here? I'll tell you what the rush is. The rush is they couldn't wait to take away the rights of women in South Carolina. Couldn't wait. We're coming back in January. We can debate this in due course. The Republicans of South Carolina wanted to make a statement. They wanted to join in with all those other states who said, we want to be in the first of the line to take away, what, take away the rights of women in South Carolina. And that's just what they did. Senator Gustafson told reporters why she broke ranks with the three other female senators and switched her vote from not voting to supporting the bill in the end. I ultimately supported the bill. I don't 
you know, S1's a good bill, but I ultimately support it because I know that's what my people want. I know my people want this. Now we'll bring you coverage of what the House does in a future episode as this restrictive abortion bill gets closer to Governor Henry McMaster's desk. As for McMaster, who was previously called for a complete ban on abortion in the state, his office said, quote, The Senate's bill, just like the House bill, strikes an appropriate balance. It is the governor's hope that the House and Senate will soon come to an agreement and send a bill to his desk for signature. So I know that was a lot. Big episode right there. And there was a lot of other news this week, but we'll have it for you in Tuesday's podcast. Welcome to The Wind Down, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic, and we want to hear your stories as well. That's why we have a voicemail box set up at 803-563-7169. It's, well, it's not fall yet, but we're getting close to fall. I it's hate to close. Admit that. I hate it's close. to admit it, but it is. So I'm sure everyone's already decking the halls with pumpkins and leaves and <laughs> cornucopias. That's tell exactly us, what deck the halls that's, is from. Yeah. <laughs> deck the halls with... Uh, keep going. <laughs> yeah. Pumpkins. Pumpkins and, and tumbleweeds. Spice lattes. Yes. Fa la la la. Ha ha ha. Ho ho ho. Ho ho ho. Ooh. Anyway, Gavin, <laughs> give them the number. Hard stop there. Pivot. 803-563-7169. If we just called you out, give us a call. If you're at Hobby Lobby right now stocking up on fake leaves, or do they already have the St. Patrick's Day stuff out? <laughs> just let us know why, okay? Let us know why. Yeah. Okay. Let's know how you feel when you see Christmas trees in in August. If you have a fall wreath, please call. Oh, yeah. You know, fall wreath. We would love to hear how you make it in three minutes or less. (laughs) Anyway, ask me a question, Gavin. How are you today? No, that's not the question. Are you going to the movies later? I'm not going to the movies later, Billy. Uh, No, but we do have a call. Oh, that was the question. We're actually going to double dip, Mm. if that's okay with you, sir. I okay. have no choice. My, okay. my brain has melted this, this week. This first one might be the best call we've ever gotten. My goodness. Yes. And a I high don't, bar. I don't say that lightly. No, who could? And I leave it to you to decide. So are you ready? <laughs> my goodness, yes. For the first dip of the double dip. <laughs> the best, it sounds like. Yeah, the best I mean, ever dip. <laughs> the first one's free, baby. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Hi, this is actually a butt dial, but I guess I'll say that I enjoy your show. And uh, thanks for... Doing good work. Bye. Well, thank you for the butt dial, kind sir. Oh, the mystery butt dialer. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I'm glad he said something. He didn't have to say. Well, yeah, I didn't have to say anything. No, normally you don't speak to your butt dials. Yeah. But I do love that he butt dialed and was like, I'm thinking on my feet. I'm going to yeah. leave an 11 second voicemail here. Um, and you know he could he could do it again in the future. That's a nickname right there. The Phantom Butt Dialer. Butt Dial Bob. <laughs> I love. If the his butt name dial. is Bob, please I, butt it is, dial us. It is now. I've renamed him. Please butt dial us again. Yes. Um. I haven't. I can't remember the last time I butt dialed somebody. I'm not. I don't know if I ever have. I've gotten butt dials. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, this was this was the best one I've ever gotten. I have butt dialed from an office phone. How mm-hmm. weird is that? I'm proud of you. You know what? I'm very proud <laughs> of you. Don't ask me how. Just it's happened. Anyway, Gavin, <laughs> are you ready? Are you ready for the next yes. dip? <laughs> the second dip. The second dip of the double dip. Yes. We had this. This one jumped the line a little bit because, of course. It is our boss. Ah. So um, we have no choice. We pay fealty. 
And uh, Gavin, so are you ready? Contractually, you have to say yes here. Yes, He's, I am. Re- I acknowledge there is a gun to your head right now, sir. <laughs> I'm willing to lift 50 so, pounds so in the event of emergency. Here we go. You ready? Please. Hey, hey, hey. A.T. and Gavin, this is Tabitha calling from SCE TV, South Carolina Public Radio headquarters in beautiful Columbia, South Carolina. I just wanted to call into the hopper and tell you both how proud I am of all the work that you both put into this pod. Um, you both are truly, truly public servants, and I'm grateful for what you do day in and day out. We're really gearing up for a lot of work this fall, and I, for one, am looking forward to supporting your initiative of keeping everyone in South Carolina informed and also entertained. All right. Okay. So before I get out of here, I need your hot take. What are your feelings on the French tuck? Does it belong in a professional workplace? Okay. So also, AT, I had real feelings about your hot dog take earlier this week, and I need to be able to trust you. So I'm going to need you to start accepting ranch and ketchup as acceptable condiments. All right. Love you guys. Oh, Tabitha, I love hearing from you. And she did such a great job just, like, putting all, like, the compliments and, like, the casual mission statement of the agency right there at the top. <laughs> she hit 59 seconds, too. So oh, she, she's, she's, got that, she's got that timing ingrained. And, I mean, the big boss making her debut hey, on the show. We love hearing from you. That's and an I, endorsement. We meant to get her. We need to get her on some uh, state parks because she is a traveler she with knows. the kids. They she is know. a she knower. Knows. She's a knower. Especially fall. Before we get to her question, Gavin, mm-hmm. I would just like to Take bring up my, my sure. gatekeeping of <laughs> of hot dog condiments. Oh, my God. <laughs> my gatekeeping and gaslighting. Uh, and I ranch is an absolute not, okay? That's just not allowed, right? On pizza? On a hot dog. Oh, on a hot dog. Oh, no. I think she was just talking in general about your, oh, in your condiment. Uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, a vice grip on, on proper condiments. That's right, baby. The, I, I mean, if the it... The de facto <laughs> ruler of condiments. It's here. just how it's... I mean, ranch is not supposed to be on Italian food. Dogs okay? aren't allowed to play basketball. Exactly. But Air Bud, <laughs> look at that. Okay. But uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm never going to accept ranch. Ketchup on a hot dog, I will I would I would allow you if you have mustard also. But mm, if you're yeah. just going ketchup like a savage, oh, I God. don't think so. We used to make fun of my cousin when she was young. She denies us, she doesn't remember this. She always used to throw tantrums, but she would always just put like just ketchup on bread. And we always make what? fun of our cousin Anna. We're like, Anna, remember you used to do this? She's like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Stop talking about this vicious rumor. You're gaslighting. But yeah, her. no, I, I I don't like just one condiment on a hot dog. I like, if it's just mustard, I'm fine. That's And okay. you know how basic I am when I eat? I need to have something on a hot dog. Mm-hmm, I mean, just mm-hmm. a plain hot dog is I just saw, I saw desperation. A, a Frank's Red Hot commercial where mm-hmm. they were advocating for just hot sauce yeah, on, a, so. on a I know. hot dog. Just not right. No. Anyway, Gavin. Yeah, so the French tug. You had up. to explain to me what the French tug is. You are and, a gatekeeper of condiments. I'll be the gatekeeper of fashion. Yes, so podcast. please explain to our listeners what exactly that is if they're like me. So a French tug, basically known as the half tuck, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're just tucking in the front, maybe kind of showing off like a good physique or something like that and being like, oh. A nice belt I'm just buckle? Ca- I'm casually nice belt buckle? tucked in. I didn't know that I was uncasually untucked <laughs> in the back. Yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I, I'm aware of the French tuck. I've done it before. It's hard to pull off, and um, I, I don't. I don't really pull it off well because I think people call you out on it every time they see it. Oh, French tuck! Oh, you're, like, what are you trying to do? Like you're trying to be like uber casual and be like so. Oh, I'm just lightly tousled, perfectly for a magazine mm-hmm. photo shoot. 
And people can see right through that. At least they can see through my attempts to do it. <laughs> or it's like trying to just like do uh, with a button down shirt, half of it untucked, you mm-hmm. know, like one side untucked. It's not, it sounds weird to it's me. It's complicated. I've never noticed it. I, I'm I'm a much more of an all or nothing person. Correct. And I also think I hate tucking in, period. Yeah. I'm no. just not a tucker. So when I was in, uh, we grew up, we went to private Catholic school up through high school. Brag. And <laughs> you, you always had to have your shirt tucked in. Like yeah, it was yeah, ingrained yeah. in you. And I yeah. just remember me being my sassy little self. Thank God I've gotten past that phase of my life. Yeah, that's over. <laughs> being like smarting off and be like, like what is what is this going to teach me? What's the point of this? Yeah. What, like how is this accomplishing? These are good questions. Of course, it's discipline. It's supposed to be you know looking good. And now, of course, I've come full circle as we do with age, and I judge the tucks, the untucked folks. I'm a big untucker, and I'm obsessively trying to get my shirt tucked in appropriately. It never looks good. You have to almost have those. Um, suspenders that clip to your socks to get the tuck to stay like a military tuck. I do not know what that is. So we're talking about shirt stays, basically, which oh my God. is an extreme <laughs> for if you've ever wanted an extreme tuck. It goes up your pants? You, you clip to your, your shirts. The, the, it's, like the a rever- it's like a reverse suspenders, but they're underneath your pants. Yes. And they go around your feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they clip to the sock to your the sock of your like ankle basically, to your the sides of your shirt. Hardcore if you're obsessed about tuck shirts. Okay. I am. I've never done it. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You know me. I don't even like to tie my shoes. That's why I wear slide on shoes. In no socks. And I don't. I mean, I don't really know how to tie my shoes. No socks. <laughs> oh learned. god, the prisons of the feet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is we just, covered a lot. This is just a lot to stomach for me. I. <laughs> I don't know if we'll be here on Monday. It's, this is hard for me. I've got a lot of feelings I got to process. We can we can try doing French tucks. Oh God, I don't want. <laughs> we, can, we can practice French tucking. I don't like wearing collared shirts, dude. See, uh, me me, it's your comfort. Your collar all day every day. Yeah, I know. I, I can sleep in it and be like, oh, that's okay. Insane. Anyway, people, please call in. So we have more than enough to talk so about. So I don't need this grading information any more than this. Tab, I hope you're happy with me learning <laughs> what. Just give me a nice softball so I can be like, well, here's the thing. <laughs> what what upside down suspenders are. I'm very pleased with that. Anyway, Gavin, say goodbye to the folks. Oh uh, well, you guys, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we can't do it without you. That's for sure. But you can be like Tabitha or Butt Dial Bob and give us a call at 803-563-7169. We love hearing from you guys. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. We love those, of course, as well. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Vin Diesel emerges from behind the curtain. ATs in tears. Gavin dies from rolling his eyes too hard. Oh my god!